everyone. Welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donatio, Bible study author, adventure junkie, and founder of Voice of the Voiceless, empowering women in Africa. Join me here every week for inspiring conversations on discovering miracles in life's messy moments. Here's this week's episode. Welcome back. This is your go-to podcast for anyone craving fresh ways to apply God's word to your everyday life. Together, we'll see how our ordinary and even messy moments can become platforms for the miraculous. And I am with my special guest, Cindy Wilkins. I am so excited about our conversation, and you are going to be moved and inspired by this amazing woman of God. I'll introduce Cindy in just a second. Last week, I had the privilege of sitting down with best-selling author and Bible teacher, Carol McLeod. I've heard Carol speak in person, and I could not write down my notes fast enough. It's also been a joy to speak alongside Carol on the Unstoppable Women's Tour, and you will love our conversation. It is so rich with nuggets and wisdom. And if you didn't catch the conversation prior to that was with Ray Comfort, stretching us to get out of our comfort zone. So be sure to be listening to those episodes. And then next week, I'll be sharing ways we could continue to apply God's word to our everyday lives. You know, we're going through difficult seasons right now as a country and a world. And I just want to speak to that in some ways that might encourage you. Then in May, I'll host a hometown heroes series with amazing men and women and men right here in my own backyard. I'm telling you every episode is a game changer. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, reach out to me at AngelaDenadio.com and we would love to have you. Well, I know that you want to hear from Cindy, so let me introduce her. Cindy Wilkins has overcome many obstacles, including infertility and a quadruple amputation. During her rehabilitation, she worked hard to recapture her relationship with her children and learn to walk, swim, and dance through life again. She has been interviewed by major television personalities, recognizing her strength in adversity. As a wife, mom, author, and speaker, Cindy has a heart for sharing her story with transparency, bringing tears and laughter in the hopes of shining a light for others facing dark times. Cindy resides in Ontario and has co-founded Shine On Missions, which is dedicated to assisting families in crisis. Shine On, her first book, was the winner of the 2017 Women's Journey of Faith contest. I am so honored that she is our guest on the Make Life Matter podcast today. So welcome, Cindy. Thank you, Angela. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I'm so glad you're here. And I have had the opportunity to kind of be introduced to you as we are both on the EKS speaker website. And so I'm so grateful you're here today. But for people who maybe this is their first time hearing about you, can you just tell us a little bit about you, where you're from and your family and your ministry? Well, I currently reside in um, Ontario, in Canada, um, about two and a half hours northeast of Toronto in a little area that's called Cottage Country. So we're very blessed to live there. We live on 75 acres with our 14-year-old daughter and our nine-year-old boy and several animals, three dogs, one with three legs. He's quite a story himself. And um, <laughs> you can imagine what it's like when we walk together, me with Aww. no hands and feet and him with three legs. Aww. And um, we like to shine the light as bright as we can. And um, and about nine chickens and two horses, one of which I had the incredible opportunity to ride last year, which was a major event in my life, having no hands and feet. So, wow. 
Yeah. So tell us a little bit. I know that you have faced and overcome challenges in your life, and it's just right there in your introduction that you are a quadruple amputee. And and I know for some of us, we just have to stop for just a second and even get our heads around what we just heard. But I just want to give you freedom, Cindy, just to speak. Tell us your story um, and tell us how you have walked through this season in your life. I'd be thrilled to. You know, Angela, sometimes we wonder, where is God when bad things happen? Are we alone? Are, you know, we're the ones who are crying tears. Does he, does he know does he know how much pain we're suffering? And where is he, especially right now when we're going through a situation in our world where everybody is homebound and we're looking at a virus that's wreaking havoc? Where is God? And I believe that this story answers that question. I didn't grow up as a, as a Christian. I grew up in a home where devotionals were around the house and I was exposed to the gospel, but there was some kind of thing that happened that it, the gospel missed the mark on my heart because I understood that God died for sinners or Jesus died on the cross for sinners. But I thought to myself, well, that's good he died for sinners, but he didn't have to die for me because I'm a good person. And the reason that I was able to justify that was because I had never picked up his word and truly read it and understood it. So I didn't know that God's word tells us that we are all sinners and fall short of the glory of God and that we can never compare to the goodness of God. And I didn't understand that long ago there was a fall in this perfect world that caused sin and death to enter our world. So I would always think, well, I'm a good person. And when I married my husband, who had grown up in an atheist family, we both faced many trials in the first 10 years of our marriage. And because I hadn't been equipped with God's word on how to handle that, I wasn't ready um, to be able to do that. So um, when, we, when we face trials, I would ask myself the same question over and over again, that one question we ask when we face trial, which is, why me? Why me? Why God? Why is this happening? And in the first 10 years we met, we were married. Um, Mark lost his job after we bought a very expensive house. And I looked up and said, God, why me? Then um, we lost his mom suddenly. And, and both of us made our hearts like a fortress and our marriage was not strong at all. We didn't have God in it. And I asked the same question, why me? And then we sat in front of a specialist with all our hopes and dreams spread out in front of him on a desk. And he looked down at these test results and he looked back up at us and said, well, save $15,000, you're gonna need a test too, baby. And once again, I asked, why me? I wasn't equipped to deal with that kind of news. After all, I had always wanted children and I'd find myself going to my work position during the day and putting on a smiling face. But at night, my heart was breaking into a million pieces. There was a big gaping wound in it that I couldn't fill. Mark and I prayed, even though we didn't know God, and asked to be parents. And eventually, we were given the gift of being parents to a little baby girl who was delivered in Florida. We flew down. It was just amazing. We flew down and we, we, Mark would want you to know he stood at the birth mother's head and I waited for our little girl to come out. Aww. And when she did, I cut her cord 
and they placed her on a table, you know, the little baby heating tables where the lamp is above and it keeps them warm. And I held out my hand and I said, sweetie, I get to be your mama and I'll never leave your side. And she wrapped her baby fingers right around my pinky finger and my heart just soared. And when we, when we had a chance to just hold her, we noticed that in the small of her back, she had a birthmark in the very same place as I do. And wow. we knew that it was by God's hands that she had come into our arms, but we still didn't know him. We didn't pick up his word. We didn't, we didn't, we didn't go for a longer, deeper relationship with Jesus. And we certainly didn't surrender to Jesus. And that's a key word, isn't it, Angela? We can go through our lives and fight against surrender, but it really takes coming to the end of ourselves sometimes in order to surrender to him. And that is exactly what happened to us. When um, we tried to adopt again, because my daughter, as soon as she was old enough, asked for a baby brother or sister, and um, we had attempts and attempts failed. So we decided to try a specialized IVF program. And we came home um, from that program pregnant. So in February of 2011, I was a wife and a mother and a business manager. I had a five-year-old girl and a three-month baby boy. And after visiting the hospital with him, I came home with a fever and a strange ache in my right leg. I started vomiting aggressively and realized after 24 hours that I was too weak to even have my husband Mark help me to the car. I could no longer nurse my son who I'd been holding in my arms, rubbing my fingers on his head the way you do as a new mama. And I was completely baffled as to why this flu was so aggressive. We were under the impression that it was the flu when the ambulance arrived and took me to the hospital. And when I arrived, there were many doctors and nurses and they were very, very concerned. I kept asking them for something for the pain in my right leg. And finally, a nurse came up and said, I am sorry, sweetie, we can't give you anything. Your blood pressure is too low. What I didn't know at the time was that I had presented to the hospital in renal failure and septic shock. My kidneys and liver were shutting down and my body was preparing to die. They would diagnose me with necrotizing fasciitis, which is known as flesh-eating disease. And as my husband arrived, he was told to call everybody to say goodbye that I wouldn't make it through the night. So my husband, Mark, sat in a hospital room of an otherwise very, very busy urban hospital on a Friday afternoon, and there was no one there. He had just signed the papers for them to medically induce a coma. And he looked around for something to read and saw a Bible sitting on the table next to him. He reached over and he picked it up and he held on to the cross around his neck that I'd given him when we first met. And he said to himself, I call myself a Christian. I identify as a Christian. And I've never read this book. 
So he picked it up and he started reading it. Now he started with the book of Revelation, which in hindsight was the, the heavier book to read. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but we do say it was a book of hope. Aww. And uh, yes, and as I was in a coma fighting for my life, my husband was finding out who God really was and laying his life down before Jesus and surrendering to that call upon his life. As I slept in the coma, um, there, were, there was a moment in which I knew that God was present and that I was before him. And I begged him, please don't take me now. I'm not ready. I knew in my heart I was about to die. What I didn't know at that time was that I had every organ in my body fail. And my heart, my respiratory system, I had a high chance of brain damage and a very, very slim chance of survival. And my husband, who tried so hard to keep hope, was constantly being bombarded with, um, bombarded with the pressure to remove the life support. So one day at home, one of our friends said, we really think that it might be time to take that life support off. I mean, look at Cindy. Her hands and feet have gone black. She's had heart failure, kidney failure, respiratory failure. Mm. She has a high chance of brain damage. We don't think she'd want to live like this. You have to ask yourself, would she want to live like that? And it was in that moment my husband realized he didn't know the answer to that. So he rushed to the hospital bedside as if to talk to me and lay and sat at the bedside and he prayed his most fervent prayer of his life. And he said, dear God, I need you to tell me what she wants. I don't know what she wants. Please tell me what to do. And then he went down to the chapel and he prayed, Lord, please tell me what to do. And, you know, God speaks to us in the ways that we will hear him clearly. My husband, who had grown up in a turbulent childhood and an atheist home, had God speak to him through this story and through this moment. The next day, he was having lunch with friends, and he received a phone call. And it was my mother, who had no idea that they were going to pull the plug and, or that they were even considering it. And she said, you know, Mark, I've been wandering around my kitchen all day, and, and I keep hearing the sound of angels' voices singing and a voice that's saying, I need more time. I think, I feel like I have to share that with you. And it was in that moment my husband knew. He knew two things. The most important thing, he knew that there was a God who saw him, who loved him, and who answered his prayers. Because now he knew I wanted to live and that I would live. And so as he walked up to the same doctor who told him every single day that his wife wouldn't live, he said, she's going to live. I know it. God told me so. <laughs> and inevitably, in the next few days, I started to show signs of improvement. Unfortunately, they did have to amputate my hands and feet as they were no longer able to survive. So in my world, I went to sleep one night and I awoke the next. And I saw my husband standing over me with the most beautiful look of love in his eyes. And he said these words, honey, you've been very ill 
and have had to and they've had to amputate your hands and feet. Wow. I was so confused. Mm -hmm. I guess my first question, of course, was why me? I mean, there were levels of confusion running through my head. I was connected to tubes and wires and I had no way to move. I couldn't even sit up at the side of the bed. I had people all around me suffering in this trauma unit in a downtown hospital. All I could think of was my children. But you see, there was a part of my coma in which I had four children. I had four children and I knew these other two children as clear as my two. And when I woke up, I couldn't understand why Mark wasn't mentioning my other two children who had names and faces who I'd spent time with while I was in my coma. The first question was, how many children do I have? Why did I get to know two other children and who were they? And as time went on over the last eight years, God has revealed this to us. You see, when we went to do IVF to conceive our son, there were two other eggs, or, or I'm sorry, embryos as they call them. There were two other children created at that time. Two of them, my son and another one, were put inside so that they could become our children. One didn't make it. But there was a third that the doctor had on the screen that I can see as clear as day today. That third child was just thrown in the garbage. And when I think about that, my heart breaks. I spent time with two children that I know I created, that my husband and I are responsible for creating, that didn't get to be on this earth, but are in the hands of Jesus. Wow. I will know those children for the rest of my life. I have no doubt who they are or why I was shown them or God revealed them to me. They were life. And I had the chance to meet them before I get to meet them one day in heaven. The other questions that I had in my heart were, how could God let this happen to me? I was a good person, remember? Mm. I didn't hurt anybody or kill anybody. I didn't do things that were wrong in a big worldly perspective. Why would he let this happen to me? I felt isolated and alone, even though my family would visit. Nobody would reach out and hold my hand, and all I wanted was for somebody to hold that hand that wasn't there anymore. And then my children came to visit me, and they say that a baby knows the smell of their mama, but my baby boy didn't know who I was. Mm. And my daughter, she was afraid of how I looked. So I crumbled. I cried. I cried tears that I had never cried before because that big open wound in my heart hadn't been filled with Jesus. And I cried and I cried and I said, God, how could you let this happen to me? My son doesn't even know who I am. And this small, still voice came out and it said, you know what to do. You adopted. You know all about attachment parenting. Hmm. And I said, but how will I know when my son knows who I am? And he said, you'll know the moment you leave him. And he cries for you. And it took 18 months for that to happen. 18 months of trying to reach out to my son and wow. show him I was his mama. 18 months of tears. 18 months of hearing him cry in the night and not being able to run to him 
Oh. But 18 months later, God's promise was fulfilled when I walked across the front deck and heard my son cry for me. Wow. I still hadn't surrendered to him, though. And as I cried out to him, a nurse, a beautiful, caring nurse, walked into my room, opened up a book, and read me Psalm 139 for the first time. And I heard the words, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. And as I heard these words tell me that he saw my unformed substance and that in his book were written every one of my days, I imagined myself being woven together in the depths of the earth, in my mother's womb, a sacred place where I was woven together with great purpose and love that was deeper, higher, wider than anything I could fathom. And then I heard a poem and it said, know that trauma that you faced was not easy and God wept that it hurt you so, but it was allowed to shape your heart so that into his likeness you'd grow. You see, then I knew. First of all, I knew God was weeping with me. He didn't do this to me. This was something that happened because of our fallen world. He didn't cause it. Mm. He wept with me, and I was overcome with the feeling that he was weeping with me. Mm. And I knew that somehow he would find purpose in this. It wouldn't be my purpose. And in order for him to find purpose, I had to look at my life and see myself as a sinner and know that I had been a sinner. And know that if I gave everything to him, he would carry me. If I finally surrendered, he would be the one to carry me through. So when I surrendered, it was as if Jesus walked in the room and he picked up the pieces of my broken heart. And he filled in that wound. You see, we think we can heal wounds when they happen. We think that we can put Band-Aids on them and they'll heal. But when it's a deep wound, no matter how many Band-Aids you put on it, healthcare workers know that it can't heal from the inside out. You have to pack it. But you see, by letting Jesus in, he let me heal from the inside out because only he could heal me. And those wounds healed, the wounds of loneliness my whole life, infertility, all of the challenges Mark and I had faced in our marriage healed. And I would go home on the weekends and I would see a husband who actually started praying over meals and talked about God and who was going to church. And suddenly I felt like I was getting the husband I always dreamt of. And I knew God was real. Because it was only by God's grace that I would learn how to walk again and stand on these things called prosthetic legs. And the first time I stood in them, I knew it was him who was upholding me in his righteous right hand. Because nobody expected me to be able to walk again. Wow. And I, I stood and I walked and I would take these, these legs off. I would pray for no pain and I wouldn't have it. And I would take these legs off and I'd look down into the sockets and there would be pools of blood from all the wounds, but I had no pain. Only God can do that. Only Jesus can heal our wounds. And I would spend six months in hospitals trying to learn to walk again and healing from numerous, numerous procedures and operations. And 
finally after six months went home to try to learn how to be a mom again and a wife again. And it seemed that, you know, I had learned that the spirit was within me and it was, it was overflowing so many times, but I would hit obstacles often. People saying things like, well, you don't think you'll ever drive again, do you? You don't think you'll be able to go shopping on your own. Don't pick up your son. He could fall. You could drop him. And my heart would break because I knew that by God's grace, I could do whatever he gave me the strength to do. Mm. I could do all things in Christ who strengthened me. So I would pray so hard mm. for him to show me how, and little by little, I would learn to drive again, and I would learn to swim again. And one thing God really taught me through swimming was that I had spent my whole life living in the shallow end of faith. I put my toes in, but I never had to worry about relying on him to prevent me from drowning. In the shallow end of faith, you pray for what you want, and you receive it, and you move on. In the shallow end of faith, you don't open God's word and read it and understand who he is. And in the shallow end of faith, you don't surrender your life to Jesus. But now, I was living in the deep end of faith. And as I would swim around in this deep end of faith with no hands and feet, which is completely a miracle in itself, I imagine myself swimming in the depth, breadth, and height of the love of Jesus Christ, because that is what I now live in. That's what we live in when we decide to surrender our lives to Jesus Christ. A love that is unfathomable and unimaginable. A love that can take this little woman with no hands and feet, place her on prosthetic legs, and say, you cannot just walk, but you can go through life and tell people how wonderful I am. This wonderful, loving God who gives you the chance to have hands and feet because I can be yours. And maybe, just maybe, Jesus will let me be his hands and feet too without hands and feet. Wow. Walking away is not an option when you have faith. Faith is the assurance in what we hope for and the confidence in what we cannot see. So that first step of faith will take us into his arms and he will carry us across. And every moment of my life, I have to learn to do something new, whether it's brushing my teeth or walking across a patch of ice or learning how to write a book by dictating instead of typing. I will always encounter something that requires hands to do it, and I don't have any. But by God's grace, Jesus is my hands. We're not called to, to be easy and comfortable. We're called to shine his light. We're called to shine it brightly, to be a city on a hill, and whatever that takes, we are called to be the aroma of Christ and to do that to people who know him and those who don't. And that in itself is an incredible calling, giving us the opportunity to answer. That takes a leap of faith. Wow. I, I just feel like I just need to, I'm so, I don't even know what the word I have at the moment. I feel so moved and challenged by everything that you're sharing and and I can't imagine what our listeners are are just experiencing and sitting with the gravity of your story and not just the gravity of your story Cindy but the gravity of your ability to magnify the love of God I think that is what is really arresting my heart at the moment it's just that You've gone through adversity and a trial far greater than what most of us will ever have to experience in our lifetime. And yet, rather than 
go deeper into a life of self, which is what you have described that you'd experienced prior, not really walking with Christ, you, you let this drive you towards surrender and drive you toward embracing the love of God. And I'm, I'm really intrigued by that. And I'm wondering if some of my listeners might be thinking, you know, for the rest of us that go through adversity, even if it's a smaller trial, it, it can actually distance us from God. And we begin to think that he isn't loving or he isn't kind or he isn't good. But yet you had exactly the opposite experience. Is there something that you could speak to to that for maybe those of us who just haven't been able to quite make that transition and fully embrace, like you said, I'm swimming in the love of God. Is there, was there a moment that that changed for you or was it this process of surrender and, and what encouragement do you have for someone who's maybe struggling to, to really embrace the love of God, the way that you have through your adversity? I think for me, um, Angela, that the real key moment was knowing that God was crying for me and with me. That, you know, Psalm 56 verse 8 tells us that the Lord records our tears. And I, I just want to encourage our listener, your listeners to, to take a moment right now and just close your eyes and imagine all the times you face pain in your life. Now imagine that all those tears were put into different jars. And those jars are all on a wall, labeled. There's a jar for the time I lost the ability to have children. There's a jar for the challenges we went through in our marriage. And there's a jar that, that truly is the jar that represents the loss of my limbs. And the most tears cried. For you, listener, there is a jar for every moment that you have cried tears. And even in this very moment now, whether you're crying the tears because your child is not walking with the Lord or you're crying the tears because, because you're not walking with him or there's a drug addiction or alcoholism or somebody hurt you and that hurt has never gone away because they're the person who should never have hurt you. No matter how many tears you've cried, your loving Heavenly Father has been right there with you. Your loving Heavenly Father has known you, created you, and He loves you so deeply. Can you imagine the kind of library He has having recorded all our tears? Can you imagine how He would walk that library and run His fingers slowly across each word and each phrase because He was there crying with us? You are not alone. We serve Jehovah Elroy, the God who sees us. What a comfort that it is to know that we don't walk through anything alone. I don't, I can't imagine walking through such adversity without the presence of God. And, mm -hmm. and he wants to be that fortress. He wants to be that very present help. And like you have encouraged us, what it asks of us is to surrender, to surrender not just the loss, but our expectation and to truly put our hope in who he is. And, and, and to me, that's how I've seen you choose to allow pain to be transformed into purpose. I believe God can transform pain into purpose, but it does require our cooperation. It requires our obedience and our surrender. And I hear that 
over and over from the guests on this podcast is there was a moment, some critical moment where they had to choose. And that's the moment we all face is to choose to truly say, first of all, Lord, I make you Lord of my life. And secondly, God, I invite you into these places of brokenness and and wounds that are open. And I ask you to heal me from the inside out, just like he has done in you, Cindy. I just wanted to ask you, um, you know, I know that you have a new initiative that you have launched in, in order to really share aspects of your life with no hands and no feet in the hopes that that will encourage others to shine and to, to take these steps of faith as you talked about. You know, I was struck by you saying, I'm doing something, I'm constantly asked to do something new that requires a step of faith. And even if we can't relate to your story, I hope our listeners are encouraged, take a step of faith. You know, what is something God is asking you to do in this season that requires faith in a new way that you can be inspired through Cindy's story to, to say, yes, God, I, I choose surrender and I choose to step out in faith. And, and so can you tell us a little bit about this initiative, Cindy, before I ask you to pray over our listeners today? Uh, I, I believe it's called How Does She Do That dot life. That's right. <laughs> and That's I will right. put that, and I'm sure you're all asking, <laughs> how does she do that? So she's already anticipated your questions, and she has launched this initiative, How Does She Do That dot life. And, and I would love for you to tell us a bit about that. I'll put all of these links, and I want to ask about your first and second book that's coming out before uh, you pray for us. So tell us about this initiative and the books that, that you have that are resources for us. How does she do that dot life is um, a little video series I've put together that helps you to walk through every little thing that I do. And sometimes those things can be very difficult. So it's based on Philippians 4.13. I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. And the truth is there's so many things that I do. I honestly can't answer to you. How does she do that? That's how I know it's God. Um, so how does she do that is a little way for me to encourage you in your everyday challenges. Each week on Wednesdays, I post a new video and it's a very short clip, one minute, and it's in, in hopes of encouraging you. And your first book is Shine On, and then you have another book coming out. So tell us a bit yes. about those and how we can and we, how we can find those resources. Well, right now, Shine On is available at any online bookstore, and any bookstore that you might walk into can order it for you. Um, and the second book I'm currently working on, and diligently, um, so I'm really excited because Shine On really only covers part of the story, and it ends... At a very early time, there is so much more of God to share in what Aww. he has done in our lives, in our family, and bringing us all to him. So I am so excited to share in the next book, not just what he's done in our lives, but how we've learned to take that and continue to fulfill his will and his purpose. Well, Cindy, thank you so much for everything that you have shared today. And I cannot wait to read part two of your story as well. And to hear, I love how you say what God is continuing to do, because no matter what challenge we face, God is able to sustain us, to carry us. And whatever challenge you may be facing today, I just hope that you have been inspired to persevere and to go beyond persevering to shining and to stepping out in faith to doing things far beyond what you thought maybe you could do. And so Cindy, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and just 
um, brightening our lives today into shining into our life because of your resilience and perseverance and surrender. And I would just ask if you would just close our time today by praying over our listeners, whatever the Lord puts on your heart today. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we praise your name. We praise your name through the heavens and the earth, and we praise your name in the good, and we praise your name when things seem trying. We praise your name right now as our world, as our nations are facing a time of unprecedented, where we're looking at this virus, and some of us are feeling scared. Some of us are worried for our family members, Lord, those who might be working on the front line and helping others. Lord, we can't help but remember that we dwell in the shelter of the Most High and abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And when we call to you, our Lord, our God, you are our refuge and our strength, and that you will wrap your loving wings around us, your loving arms, and that you will protect us. And just as the Israelites put the blood of Jesus or the blood of the Lamb above their doorposts in Egypt during the last plague and were spared, we know that we carry the blood of Jesus who died on the cross for our sins. We know that we carry the Holy Spirit. And we know that by that, we are protected, that we are strong and we are in you. And we know, Lord, that by your hand, we can overcome. So, Lord, today, as, as, as everyone has heard this story that you have given us the gift of, we pray that we can all swim in the deep end of the love of Jesus Christ, that our faith is so deep and so strong, it carries us through the most inconceivable, that we know dwelling in your refuge, that you will carry us through. Lord, I pray that the hurting are able to lay their lives and surrender before Jesus Christ and say, I surrender to you. Heal me from the inside out, Lord, as only you can do. Change me from the inside out. I pray healing upon all of our nations and a turning towards you, Lord. And I'd like to pray a blessing upon our listeners today. May he shine his light upon you. May you turn your face to him and may you know the peace that surpasses all understanding that only Jesus can bring. May he guard your heart and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining our conversation. I'd love to stay connected. So be sure to visit AngelaDonatio.com for my books, blogs, and free goodies. And find me on Facebook at Angela Donatio BOV and Instagram at Angela Donatio. If you've been inspired to make life matter, leave a review and subscribe at iTunes, cpnshows.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Until next week, let's keep discovering miracles in life's messy moments.